Hey, everybody, thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message reaches you wherever you are at today in whatever situation you are facing. We pray that the Lord ministers to your life. Hang on till the end, and I want to say a couple more things to you before we're done. Amen. If you got your Bibles, turn to Psalm chapter 19. We are in a series about battles, and we do know who's already won the war. We talked about destroying strongholds and those things in our life that try to hold us against God, those rebellious castles. We've talked about the battle of our mind, that casting down every argument, every thought. And because our mouths are so big these last two weeks, we've been talking about winning the battle of the mouth. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Psalm chapter 19, verse 14. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord today? The psalmist David writes, and he says this, Let the words of my mouth, I want you to settle into that for a moment. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your presence that we feel so strongly. Thank you that as Aniston said, Father, Holy Spirit, as you inspired those words for her to sing and write, Father, the battle has already been won. We recognize that. But Father, I just pray that you help us in the, in the, and when we live in our flesh, help us to understand what it means to overcome. We thank you that 2,000 years ago, you overcame so that we could overcome right now, every day. Not just one of these days when we die and go to heaven, but Father, right now, we could have life and life more abundantly. So, Father, I just pray that today as we hear your word, may it challenge us and change us. May, may, it, may we leave here realizing without your strength, none of this is possible. We thank you for this time together. We ask all these things in the mighty and the holy and the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Ghost and all God's people together said, amen. Turn around and high five people and say, I'm going to win the battle of my mouth, and you may be seated. Excuse me. Last week we talked about the fact that your words matter. And I want to kind of bring us up to speed on this and bring that into it. But that our words matter. The words that we say matter. And I believe part of that, our words are important. And I, I believe part of the understanding that is that the words that we say, they stick. They stick. They stick over our life. They stick over our children. Something happened last Sunday. My dad calls me during the week and um, he does that a lot and just asked me how Sunday went. And we were talking and I said, something happened that doesn't normally happen. Usually, <clears throat> I kind of feel this is where the Spirit is leading me before we get to this place. But last week, if, if you were here, we prayed over people at the end. And it was really in the first service, the Holy Spirit just spoken to me. And, and it was like I could see over people words that were spoken over them that were words of death, words of discouragement, words that were bringing them down. And I believe God wanted to break those things off, and I think he still does. God wants to break those things off of us, those words, because words matter. And here's what, this is interesting, God gave Adam his first job, and here's what he said, Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. Out of the ground, 
The Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he could call them, what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. I don't know if in heaven, I hope that in heaven there's some kind of viewing room where you can go back and watch videos of what happened over time. Because I would love to go back to creation and in that moment, and I would love to see these animals just coming up and Adam saying, duckbill platypus, <laughs> hippopotamus. Whatever language Adam spoke and however he said it, here's the thing that matters. He said a name to an animal and the name stuck. He said something and his words stuck. And the truth is this, the words that come out of our mouth are important because those words stick. They stick to the situation. They stick about how we approach the situation. They create death or life. And so we have to be very careful as we're speaking about things. And one reason I think this is important is because we live in a victim society. We live in a society where people are easily, quickly to say, woe is me. That I can't do it because all this stuff is against me. I'm the victim. Here's what happened. If it wasn't for this stuff, I would be better. If it wasn't for this, I could do that. I could have a better job. I could have a better relationship. I could have whatever if it wasn't for these things. But I believe what needs to come out of our mouth is not the victim, but it needs to be words of victory. I believe that what needs to come out of our mouth is this. I know what is against me, but if God be for me, what can be against me? I know what is going on, but I believe I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I understand what the world says about me, but I know what God has said about me, and and that's more true than what other people say or what I see. We need not words of victim, but we need words of victory to come out of our mouth. Amen? I think about somebody like Elijah who's sitting there saying, God, woe is me. I'm the only one that wants to serve you. In all of Israel, just me and you, God, I'm the only one. And God says, Elijah, calm down, man. Just relax. There's a whole remnant of people who've never bowed their knee. Are you kidding me? Stop being the victim. It's not just you. That I've got a big thing planned, and I want you to get up, and I want you to go to anoint Elisha, and I want you to go, and you take care of some business, and we're going to see this thing forward. That is victory. If we're not careful, we'll be victims. I love the idea of what Job says, because Job understood this. Job had every reason to be the victim. All this stuff happens to him, but Job says the Lord gives, and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm not going to let victim come out of my mouth. I'm going to let victory come out of my mouth. And even though all these things happen, though he slayed me, yet will I trust him. We need to begin to speak words that matter over our life. Amen? Are you with me this morning? I'm preaching way better than you're shouting, but amen. <clears throat> so how do we win the battle of the mouth? Three ways. I'm going to offend some of you with this first one. You're not going to listen to anything else I said because you're going to be like my mama who wants to wash my mouth out with soap for saying this in church. But here's the way to win the battle of your mouth. Number one, shut up. Be quiet. Hush. Part of winning the battle of the mouth is understanding this secret. Not everything that comes into here needs to come out here. Don't look to your right or to your left right now. <clears throat> That's scriptural. It will save you fighting on the way home. But that's the truth. The truth is not everything that comes into your brain needs to come out your mouth. Matter of fact, here's what James says in James 1.19. <clears throat> so then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. 
Let every man be swift to hear. Why? You know, you've heard this before. God gave you how many ears? Two ears and one mouth. Because we're called to be swift to hear, slow to speak. The apostle, Alison Krauss, sang this song. You say it best when you say nothing at all. Amen. Hallelujah. That's not a worship song, but I can worship to it. I, I heard that at a wedding one time. I don't know if the bride was that for the groom or the bride. I have no idea, but I did hear that actually. That was a funny wedding song to me. You say it best when you say nothing at all. James says, let us be swift to hear. Listen to people, but then slow to speak and slow to wrath. I believe that's, that even means slow to move, slow to do something about it. <clears throat> Not saying that you can't act quickly on some things, but the truth is this. When you think about it and you meditate on it and you pray about it and you ask God about it, you're swift to hear, but you're slow to speak and slow to wrath. It changes everything. And I believe that we're called to not say everything that we have in our thoughts. I believe we have to begin to think about things and let our first reaction be to listen. Let our first reaction, I'll be honest, I grew up in a house full of smart alecks, okay? And, and one of the greatest strengths you had was being able to be quick-witted. I mean, when we have a family get-together, like the, the, the thing is, we're going to see who can make everybody laugh by the little comments that we've got. So if I'm not careful, my thoughts that come out of my mouth are not always the things I should say first because that's the first thing that comes up, and it comes out my mouth, and I get myself in trouble all the time. I, I, my son the other day was chewing on his shoe, and I said, I'm glad you're doing that at one years old because you're a blanket ship. You're going to be eating your foot the rest of your life. So good thing you're learning now, boy. I'm glad. Learn how that tastes right now. But the truth is this, that we have to learn, if we're going to win the battle of our mouth, we have to learn to not say everything and to be quiet. Number two, let the Word of God come out of your mouth. When you do speak, let the word of God come out of your mouth. One of the things we need to understand is this. Listen, I love technology. I'm not against it. I know I've said several things lately, but when I wake up in the morning, I get my phone to see what time it is because it's kind of my, <clears throat> my clock, and I see what time it is. And then when it's time to wake up, I will grab my phone, and before I even get out of bed, I get up my Bible app, and I begin to read the word of God. So I love technology, but here's the problem. I said this a couple weeks ago with our mind. We don't memorize phone numbers because of technology, and I believe we quit memorizing this because of technology. We think because it's at our fingertips all the time, I don't need to know scripture. I can look it up anytime I want. But listen to me. If you go to China today, there are people in China who memorize pages of the Bible quickly because they know this. That's all they have. They don't have the Bible. They've got a page. And they've got to quickly give it to somebody else so that they can read that because they want to know more. So they take it and they memorize it. For them to have something like this would be heavenly because it wouldn't collect dust on their table. It wouldn't collect dust on a bookshelf somewhere. They would devour this thing. And I think if we're not careful, we have quit learning what it means to devour this thing. Listen, I believe that the Word of God should come out of us. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So here's the question. When times get tough, what comes out of your mouth? When things get difficult, what comes out of your mouth? Is it the Word that God gives you comes out of your mouth? Is it the Word of God over a situation? Or is it other things? And here's, what, here's why it's important. Because David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. Are you saying things that are helpful? Are you saying things that are pleasing? Or are you speaking your flesh over every situation? Are you speaking your flesh over everything that's going on? And I believe we've got to get the Word of God inside of us so the Word 
word of God begins to come out. We're called to bless and not curse. And I believe when we get this inside of us, then when things happen, this is what comes out of us. Amen? David said, thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's the problem with most of us. Most of us, it's not a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. You don't need a dentist. You need a doctor. You don't need somebody to look in your mouth. You need somebody to get to your heart. Because out of your heart, your mouth speaks. And what we need is a heart toward God so that whenever things happen and the time gets tough and the squeeze is on, what comes out of our mouth is pleasing in the sight of God. We need our heart changed toward Him so that as our heart is right, our mouth begins to produce the right things. And the way we speak over our loved ones, the way we speak over our jobs, the way we speak over life begins to change because it's not my words coming out of my mouth, but it's God's words that are coming out of my mouth that are lifting up and encouraging. Amen? Amen. Y'all ain't going to amen me today. I understand that. I'm stepping on toes today. I, I came in here prepared not to be amen that much today. It's okay. But the truth is this. When we begin to understand as difficult as it is, we need the right heart so we have the right mouth. Amen. Number three, <clears throat> use your words to bless others. Use your words to bless others. There's a woman who went to the doctor. She was very seriously ill. She goes to the doctor, he runs tests, and he said, have you been bitten by an animal? She said, I sure was, told him the day. <clears throat> he said, well, here's the problem. You have rabies, and you're going to die. It's deadly, and you're going to die. So he, she says, can I have a piece of paper and a pen? And she begins to write down people's names. And he said, are you writing down names for your will? And she said, no, I'm writing down names of people I want to bite. Now, here's the truth about that. Here's the question. It is a, that is a funny story, but the truth is this. Many times, we use our words to bite instead of to bless. We're called for our mouth, our words, not to bite. We're called for our words to bless. This is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Next Sunday, I'm going to preach on Pentecost Sunday. I believe God's going to loose our tongues to be used for what they're called to be used for. But he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. When I was growing up, I, I thought, I heard this scripture a lot, and I always took this to mean, don't misunderstand what I'm fixing to say, because some of y'all are going to run the wrong way with this, but understand what I'm saying. I took this to mean that I couldn't cuss, okay? Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. Now, I'm not telling you to cuss. I'm not telling you you should cuss. I'm just telling you, here's what I thought. As long as I didn't say seven words in the English language, and then we added about ten words we called by words, Okay? So growing up, I couldn't say cuss words or by words, and I thought in my mind, as long as I stayed away from those words, I could say whatever else I wanted about people, and it didn't matter. I just didn't say these words. And let me let you in on a secret. When Paul says this, the English language was not written. So Paul is not saying, don't just stay away from these few words. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm not telling you to go out and start cussing. I think you can have a better vocabulary than that. But listen to what I'm saying. The point is not just to stay away from a few words. The point is, whenever you say anything, what is the heart behind it? 
Because if you're not careful, you'll say, well, I'm not saying a cuss word, but you're still saying things that bring down people, that discourage people, that bite people. You still say things that are full of anger and wrath and malice. And Paul's point is this, say things that brings grace to the hearers. My job is not to speak death over people. My job is to speak blessings and life over people. Jesus said it this way on the Sermon on the Mount, bless those that persecute you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. You You want to make somebody mad when they start cussing you? Say, I love you. God bless you. Aren't you glad today you're alive? It will make them so angry. You'll have a good time with it, okay? Bless people. Bless them. When they say all kinds of stuff, and listen to me, let me let you know the secret God's had taught me over the years because the truth is I like to be well-liked. I like to be, I'm an only child. I want to be everybody's favorite. That's just the way I was raised to be. But the truth is our church has grown. People don't like everything going on. And we've had negative things said about us and things in the community and all this stuff at times and people saying things or whatever. Not all the time, but I've heard that stuff and I've had to learn something that God taught me through some other people. But listen to this, what everybody thinks about you is none of your business. It's none of your business. What everybody thinks about you is none of your business. What matters is what God says about you. And when you begin to realize, I'm going to bless people whether they like me or not. You, you can say whatever you want. I'm going to bless you. You can, you can come at me all you want. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to love you. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. Paul says you are heaping coals of fire on people's head. You want to see them get really mad? You respond with love and kindness and goodness and mercy. And you let the words come out of your mouth be uplifting and changing people. I believe this. When we began to bless others it begins to make a big difference in the situation but also when you began to bless others we can see transformation in people's lives because we bless them instead of curse them there was a man by the name of Johnny Lingo and this is a, a the true story you can there's a movie that came out a long time ago <clears throat> about this Johnny Lingo's in the 60s I believe Johnny Lingo was a trader in these Polynesian islands and he was known as a shrewd Trader. Nobody ever got one over on Johnny Lingo. Johnny was single. He wanted to get married. He found this woman in a village by the name of Lucida. And everybody was shocked, and I don't mean this rudely, but to the nicest, kindest person, Lucida was considered plain. Not somebody that somebody would just run after, but Johnny Lingo wanted Lucida to be his wife. There was a tradition in this village that you would go and present a dowry of cows to the father for how much you thought this person was worth and if they would accept it you could be engaged and so the day came that Johnny Lingo was going to propose to Lucida and everybody in the village is wondering even Lucida's dad is wondering how many cows am I going to get he thought you know what Johnny is such a shrewd businessman I know my daughter it's probably going to bring one cow. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask for three, hoping that maybe he'll settle on two. And if not, I'll get the one that I expect to get from Lucida. So the day comes, they propose, all the villagers come because they want to know what's going to happen. Who's going to get one over on the other? Is Johnny Lingo going to try to do something? And he stands there before Lucida's father, and he says to him, I offer you eight cows for your daughter. And the place went up in shock and the father said yes very quickly before Johnny changed his mind they get married 
And they go on a honeymoon across all these islands. And they didn't have any kind of technology. They were going boat to boat. So they were gone for months. And they finally come back to the island. And when they walk onto the island, here comes Johnny and Lucida. But the people don't recognize Lucida. She's dressed in a beautiful dress. She looks totally different. She looks radiant and gorgeous. And everything about her life looks different than it did before. And, John, and her dad goes up to Johnny Lingo and he says, Johnny, you tricked me. My daughter was worth ten cows and you gave me eight. And people ask him, how did all this happen? Now, what I'm going to say probably sounds terrible. This is a movie in the 60s. You can't say this kind of stuff now, but I'm going to say it anyway. But somebody asked Johnny, what did you see? And he said, I saw in my wife an eight-cow lady. That kind of sounds funny. But here's what he meant. I saw a beauty in her that other people did not recognize. And I spoke over her and loved her in a way that what was in her would come out of her. And here's the problem. Here's the problem with many of us. We speak to people where they're at, not where we want them to be. We speak to people what they're going through, not what they can become. And when we begin to let the right words come out of our mouth, when we begin to speak blessings over people, when we begin to speak life over people, when we begin to see in others what they don't see in themselves and begin to pull that out, you'll be amazed at what comes out of people. You'll be amazed at what is transformed in people. People because simply somebody believed in them. Somebody gave them a chance. Somebody told them, I see it in you. There's a diamond in the rough. And we begin to call that out of people. And we begin to call out their giftings and their talents. And we begin to call out the beauty that God has put inside of them. And when we begin to use our words to bless others, I believe we build each other up. We build the kingdom of God up. And I believe this, if you want to see somebody change, begin to bless them and speak blessings over their life. Amen. I can tell you in my life, I, I, my, my, I grew up in the era, I know this isn't popular now and not trying to argue with anybody, but I grew up in the era where we got what we call whoopings, spankings. And, but you know what my dad could say over me that would, I mean, I, I didn't like getting spankings. Um, I was the kid that would, my, they'd hold my arm, I'd roll around the bed three times and the belt's just flying everywhere like this and Anyway, sorry, some of y'all, that was the day and age I grew up in. But here's the thing. But my dad could say, son, that's, that's disappointing. And that was worse to me. And it wasn't because he wasn't trying to tear me down. My dad built me up, encouraged me, still does to this day. It wasn't that. It was he was telling me, son, this is not where I expect you to be at. And the truth is this. I, people are scared of this message of grace because we're scared if we preach grace, people are going to go out and sin. Listen, the closer I get to Jesus, the less I want to sin, not more. Because I want to be, I want the words that I, the, the, the words and my actions to be pleasing in his sight. I want to bless, I want to bless others. I want to, I want God to be able to say, this is my beloved son. And I believe this. He says this over all of us in whom he is well pleased. He's pleased not just with what you do with who you are, but that makes me want to do even more to serve him and love him because I have a God who loves me in spite of me. I have a God who loves me in spite of my past, in spite of what I've done. And because of that, I want to live a life that blesses 
him and blesses others. I want to live a life that makes a difference because I realize God made a difference in me. He forgave me, so I forgive others. I love others. I speak blessings, not because of how they treat me, but because how God treated me. You understand that? I love others, not because of how they treat me, but how God treated me. That God was in Christ forgiving me, and so I'm called to walk in forgiveness toward others. Amen? Well, the worship team joined me. Um, I'm in a, we're in a phase with our son Benjamin where <clears throat> um, he's three years old. And we're in this phase where I put him to bed every single night. And he asks me the same thing every night. He says, Daddy, will you get me out of bed in the morning? Now, if you know anything about me, I've always been a very structured person. My dad said, I don't want to know what meals we were eating all day long because I wanted to plan my day even when I was a little kid. And Benjamin's like that. In the morning, can I wake up? Are we going to go to Old Donald's? Are we going to uh, eat breakfast here? He wants to know all this stuff, but he'll say to me, put me to bed. Okay. Now, here's the reason that's important because he's also in this phase where what comes out of his mouth are different every few minutes. He'll say, I don't want that toy. So you get the toy. I wanted that toy. Why do you have it? He's crying. Okay, or he'll say, I'm not, I don't want to eat that. So you take it away. I wanted to eat that. Why are you doing it? So I sat down the other day with him and I said, Benjamin, you're three years old. You're not going to understand this, but I'm going to sow a seed into your life and your mind by telling you this. And I tell him, he's looking at me and I tell him a double minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay. Now, the reason that is important is because I want him to understand because lately he's been saying, why did you do that? I'm going to say, because that's what you told me. And I tell him, Benjamin, the words coming out of your mouth matter. When you tell me you don't want this, and so I take it away, and then you do want it, it makes no sense. So the words coming out of your mouth need to be the same. Quit saying no to this and yes to that at the exact same time. And so the other night, I'm putting him to bed, and he says, are you going to get me out of bed in the morning? Well, he's very literal, and it was on Thursday mornings, I pray with these guys at 8 o'clock on, on, on the phone. And so I said, Benjamin, I probably am. but Because my boys wake up at 6.30, 7 every morning, that whatever reason, God did not give them that gene that can sleep a little bit and give us a little peace and quiet in the morning. So I know he's probably going to be up, but there's a chance he might not be. And if he's not awake, when I leave the house, he's going to be upset. So I told him, Benjamin, probably. And he said, yes or no? Right, okay, thank you. Here's the truth, though, this. I believe if we're not careful, what comes out of our mouth is double-minded. We bless and curse, and we can't live that way. We are called to speak blessings over people. We're called to speak blessings over our own life. We're called to let the words that come out of our mouth matter. They have weight. Matter of fact, I didn't get into this this sermon series. I was going to try to, but I didn't get to. Listen to this. The Bible says you will be judged for every idle word that comes out of your mouth. If we really believe that, then it matters how we speak. It matters what we do. And here's how David ends that. David says that the words of my mouth and the the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. And then he says, my Savior and my Redeemer. Here's the bottom line. You will never win the battle in your mouth by yourself. You will only do it when you realize he is your Savior and your Redeemer. He came to save us. He came to redeem us and transform us. And we're about to sing a song. I'll, I'll be honest with you. When we sang that the first time, I don't think we all really believed everything we were singing. 
You can have it all, Lord. Really? Really? Have it all? Yeah. That means if you really believe that, you're going to give God your heart, your mind, and your mouth. You're going to give God your tongue so that what comes out of your mouth is pleasing in His sight. And I believe this morning some of you need to really understand what it means for God to transform every part of you. Full surrender. And you need to give it to Him, realizing He is with you and He is strengthening you. Would you stand to your feet? Hey everybody, thank you so much. We are so honored that you chose to join us today for this message. And our prayer is for you and your family that you would be uplifted and encouraged. If today you receive Christ or if you would like to give to the vision of Landmark Church, if you would go to our website, www.landmarkchurchok.com, there's more information there, how you can do all of that. And also if you have a prayer request, please let us know how we can be praying for you guys. We love you and hope you have a blessed time.